0: This is the Barbecue Central Show podcast, being generated from a live recording of the Barbecue Central Show, which airs at thebbqcentralshow.com every Tuesday between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices. Visit them at thebbqguru.com or call them eight 800- hundred. 288 GURU. And by Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply, sauces, rubs, grills, smokers, everything for the outdoor chef. Visit them online at tastylicksbbq.com or call them 800 677 2882. And by Butcher Barbecue, manufacturers of premium injections, rubs, and sauces. Visit them online and take full advantage at butcherbbq.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jeweler, official jeweler of the Barbecue Central Show. Visit them at stephendefranco.com or call 440. 440- 9432700 and use keyword barbecue brother to receive all the discounts. And by iGrill, manufacturer of bluetooth enabled temperature which is generated and sent to your smart device. You can find out more information by visiting igrillinc.com. Use promo code central to get 15% off your entire order at the iGrill Inc store. And by Green Mountain Grills, one of the country's premier pellet grill manufacturers, three different sizes to choose from something to fit in every budget and find out more by visiting GreenMountainGrills.com. And by CookShack, the country's premier manufacturer of electronic and pellet-driven cookers, servicing the residential, commercial, and competition markets. Visit CookShack.com for more information.
1: Who's what? Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on,
2: strike the match, and...
1: Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea.
0: Welcome to another edition of the really big Barbecue Central Show. Give me one second. Give me one second. Oh hey look like a yellow nightmare. What's going on over there? Whoa. Access token is missing. What's an access token? don't know. Oh, boy. All right, now hold on just a goddamn minute. Wow, the color on that is just ridiculous. What happened? No no sooner does John Dawson talk about all sorts of technical issues in an email chain just by happenstance. And wow. It's no better. Eh, It's a little better. All right, what am I going to do? Here we go. Uh, All right, I'm going to stop the broadcast here, so nobody freak out. I'm still getting it on the audio. Wow, that was brutal. Uh, Hey, uh, this is the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Hell, uh, as in in most cases, many people regard it as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempy. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, please make note of this new number. Not toll free anymore, because quite frankly, you know nobody really uses the toll free number. So uh, you know, I was like, you know, why bother keeping it? I don't know. Uh, eight seven. Uh, I'm sorry. Two one six two two zero. Ze966 is the number. Two one six two two zero zero nine six six is the phone number if you want to jump in on the show tonight. And if you don't, if you would rather Wow. I mean it's just it's just a bad looking deal here. Wow. Let me go to the video input. Let me go to the advanced settings. Can I fix it myself? I doubt it. Wow. Hey, I did kind of fix it right there. All right, so let's go back to uh, broadcasting on the uh, thing here. And uh, let's do this here. And pretty much we should all be going. Again, if you missed it, and I'm sure uh, people just on the video side did, uh, make new note of the number that you can call in on. Uh, I'm not renewing the 800 number because, quite frankly, it doesn't get used. So I'm not going to pay for it if it doesn't get used. I do pay for this number. It's the old hotline. If you recall, it 216-220-0966. You can use that number. Look, if you're paying for long distance still, wake up, man. Get in the 18th century, for crying out loud. Uh, you can also still email the show at the same address, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Here's what's happening on the show coming up in about 11 minutes from now creator of the Amazing Ribs website, Meathead Goldwyn, joining us. Second Tuesday of every month, as always. Then we'll move into the second hour, and we'll find the uh, newest sponsor of the show. He was on uh, near-ish of the end of 2013, president and CEO of CookShack. Stuart Powell joining us. Excited to talk to Stuart on a number of different levels. And uh, then we will round out the show with your latest reserve. Uh, I'm sorry, with your latest grand champion at the Sam's Club local event, which took place in Baton Rouge, of Louisiana. It is Dennis May, pitmaster of Smoking in the Dark, out of uh, he was calling me from Beaumont, Texas, but that might be just where he works. So very excited, jam packed show. If you want to jump in again, more than happy to have you. Two one six. Two two zero zero nine six six. You can also email the show Greg at Show dot com. As always, please make a Facebook post or uh, some type of social media posting, letting you know that, letting your friends know that the show was on outdoorcookingchannel.com, dot com. The place to go to find the video feed. My website thebbqcentralshow.com, dot com is the place to go to get the audio stuff. If you have Roku, download the Outdoor Cooking Channel app. And then you can stream it there on Tuesdays. And you can also get a host of other shows on uh, Roku as well. Uh, But this is the one that is live and uh, most noteworthy on Roku, from what I understand. Uh, Don't forget, you can uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes for audio replays, YouTube for videos, Outdoor Cooking Channel for videos, uh, this website, the main website, uh, Barbecue Central for website uh, for uh, replays of video, audio. Uh, No reason you should ever miss anything on the show, ever. If you hear about it, you can always go back somewhere and find it. And as I just mentioned, again, one more time, there is no, no, 800 numbers.
3: Sorry.
0: Again, make the note, 216-220-0966. I'm saying make a note like anybody's going to call in, but the bottom line is most people don't call in. And by most, I mean many people never call in, which is fine. Don't call in, just hang out, listen, enjoy, contribute in the chat room if you like, whatever. Um but that is the key bit of contact information that is finally changing low these many years two one six two two zero zero nine six six, which was the first call in number of the show. So it changed, but it's reverting back to what it was in the beginning and you know, what can I tell you? Did anybody happen to catch the show last week? I'm just wondering because I find it funny in a way. That out of all of the years that I have done this show, and it harkens me back to an opening conversation that I had with one Mike McLeod, CEO of MMA Creative, creator of the World Food Championships. This was probably maybe a year and a half or two years ago. And the way it's set up, like, for guests is, you know, I do a little email communication. Sometimes I can uh, do a little phone communication with folks, give them a little insight as to, you know, how this thing's going to happen. But, you know, it's just me. It's just a one-man show. I don't have a staff. I don't have engineers and producers. And I'm just able to host the show all on my own. There's a billion different things going on here. And so I don't want to say shortcuts have to be made, but there are some exact procedures that take place. For instance, when I'm connecting with a guest, typically on the phone, um, I can hear a lot of stuff that's going on in my earpiece that you guys can't hear, and you'll thank me for that. But um, I tell people, when I call you, I'm not a producer, or there isn't like a warm-up guy for you uh, to, to get on with, and then I pick you up, and we're off and running. When I pick it up, you're hearing the show live. I'll do a quick introduction. Then at the end, as unprofessional as it is, I just kind of hang up on you and we keep moving. And the finished product is a lot more graceful and a lot more polished and produced than, you know, it actually is in the inner workings. But people who do the show understand exactly, you know, what it's all about. And they don't need to be catered to and given $5 bills when they leave and all that other stuff. But Mike said, you know, I so I would always go to Mike and be like, hey, here's standing on by Mike McLeod. And one time he was like, you know... You are a really trustworthy guy that I'm going to be the guy on the other end of the phone. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you be the guy on the other end of the phone? I'm calling your number. Well, lo and behold, last week, imposter alert, imposter alert. Uh, I would dial the number that Patrick Banks gave me from Booty Q to talk about his win at the uh, local Sam's Club qualifier. But he mistyped a number, and I dialed it, and it went to an actual working phone number. And really, for two or three or four minutes, this guy played along with the phone call. I was asking him questions. I should have known, well, I I either thought, man, this is going to be a really tough interview because he's giving me one- and two-word answers, or that should have been the tip-off that I have the wrong number, and things are about to get really sketchy and sideways really quick and that's kind of what happened so if you missed the show last week go back and listen to where i'm supposed to be interviewing um patrick banks from booty q and listen to this guy hang up on me twice i thought it was a bad phone connection i think the guy was getting freaked and then he would just hang up on me and when i finally asked him how he came up with the name booty q you know that was it he was gone and then patrick banks really called into the show and he's said at some point right in the beginning of the conversation that he'd give he'd mistyped the phone number when we were corresponding back and forth and I was here I was like I, I don't know who you're talking to but that's not me I was like it's not you you said you and just a group of friends i mean it was great the guy was classic played along with it was really one of the prime time things that have happened in 2014 has actually gone into the uh, year-in-review page that I am now making after every show. So I am not behind racing to do a year-in-review show at the end of the year. Because I didn't even do a, an end-of-the-year show last year, or rev- a year-in-review last year, mostly because we were in the process of you know getting the new house built. Nevertheless, coming up out of the break, and the break after that, Meathead. But before we get to Meat, let me talk to you about... Stephen DeFranco, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Uh, guys, you know, big holidays are coming up. Mother's Day, Father's Day, Memorial Day, 4th of July. All areas in which you need to make sure that you're buying the right gifts. And if you're thinking about jewelry, uh, get out of the mall. Get out of the people that are chain stores. There's a lot of overhead. You're paying for a lot of stuff that you don't need to pay for. Go to StephenDeFranco.com. Stephen, D-I-F-R-A-N-C-O. StephenDeFranco.com or visit my homepage and click on his banner. Go to his website and kind of peruse what he asks. It's a one uh, It's it's one shop. It's very large. It's got a lot of inventory, a lot of stuff that you won't find anywhere else, a lot of stuff that he gets made just for him. And what I like best about it is Stephen and his staff are not in the business of trying to you know sell you something that you're not looking for. If you're looking to stay within a budget you know they will establish that if you're looking to project a certain mood or uh, get a elicit a certain type of emotion with your gift they're going to ask you those questions and then give you a bunch of different things to choose from they're not going to try and talk you up five six seven thousand dollars more than you were originally looking to spend because quite honestly uh, not only do they want the business this time out but they want it again the next time you're going to make a jewelry purchase maybe you got three daughters like me and you know you're going to be buying a lot of jewelry for the rest of your life See, that's where the keen instincts come in when you're dealing with a guy like Steve and the gang over there at Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, Uh, not looking to punch you in the face and run away one time, looking to build that relationship, build the trust factor, and earn your repeat business over the course of your life. So here's what you got to do. Dial them up, 440-943-2700. That's 440-943-2700 ask for Steve directly he owns the shop and then he's going to give you the great price tell me your barbecue brother or sister tell me you listen to the show all the time and Rempy tells you to call in for the discount and you'll if you do it and you're not more than overjoyed you call me and tell me i'll make it right 440-943-2700 StephenDefranco.com. meathead coming up out of the break stick around we'll be right back
3: broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey.
0: All right, we are back. 877 448 Greg at the BBQ, CentralShow.com. That is the... Uh, wait, I think I gave you the wrong phone number. It's not 877 anymore. I'm breaking my own rules. It's 216-220-0966. Those are the numbers to get in touch with me should you uh, see fit to do so. And uh, let me make sure that we have my... Oh, where did they go? Uh, uh, oh, boy. Here we go. This is the theme song of the man that is uh, gracing the Internet with high presence. Okay, well, maybe it's not going to work, so I'll do it this way instead. My, oh, my, we're just dealing with we are dealing with it all over the place. Uh, my next guest, creator of uh, Amazing Ribs. You can find it at amazingribs.com. We head on over to the hotline and welcome back our monthly contributor, Meathead Goldwyn, joining us here on the show. Meathead, how are
2: you? I'm great. How's the Cleveland Cavalier
0: of barbecue? Oh, uh, absolutely fabulous, Meathead. Appreciate you asking uh, did you pass wind or something over there? What do you do? No,
2: no, no. It's warming up finally. Although we're gonna get three to six inches of snow tonight. Yes. But the lead question we have from uh, Gene Apicella is about hot weather cooking. So I'm uh Oof. I
0: got I got my
2: sunglasses, yes. my fan.
0: Your sweatshirt.
2: I sweatered. Yeah. I I was gonna pull Putin on you. I was gonna take my shirt off, but I decided nobody wants to see that.
4: Well (laughs) maybe not
0: nobody, but the majority of folks. I'll go ahead and agree with you on that one. Meathead, you're a big fan of the show. Can you believe the imposterism that took place? I heard I
2: heard. That's hysterical. I think I think it, the guy should get like a free T-shirt or something, Greg. I mean, <laughs>
0: well, I don't, I don't know if he should get a free T-shirt or if he should just call back in and I should just interview Make him, him on, his, on his merit. I mean,
2: yeah, put him wow. on regularly. You something know? crazy. Uh, have, have him, you know, have him just fake answers. You know, you got to get the one of those. Uh, Guys from Funny or Die, uh, Gene Flaccus, whoever just interviewed the president, uh, yeah, and, and have them just fake it. You know, I mean, ask him whatever you want, and they'll make up answers. Yeah, that great. was
0: uh, that was something else that took place last week. As I said, if you missed it, go back listen to it in the podcast. <laughs> well worth the listen. Meathead, Before we get into hot weather cooking. Um, how about this book that you've been working on for the last seven years? I mean, what's our, what's our project here on this? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well,
2: the good news is, is my publisher gave me a one-year extension, so if anybody's out oh, there holding God their breath, Lord. you're going to turn blue. Um, no kidding. Uh, you know, the worst thing a publisher can ever tell you is i want something definitive if she just said i wanted something good it had been done a long time ago no oh. but she wants it definitive
0: what does that now, mean what's now definitive, me, but what's definitive mean? what does definitive mean
2: i don't know i mean i you know definitive I, 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 according whatever, to I, what I, i'm struggling through i i just uh, uh hired a sous chef yesterday to come in and help me uh with some new recipes for the book because you know, obviously, we don't want everything that's on the website in the book. Otherwise, nobody's going to buy the book. So, um, yeah, it, uh, it, it should be a good book when I'm done. Um, ho- it'll encapsulate a lot of the stuff that you and I talk about that's on the website. It's called The Science of Barbecue and Grilling. So we're going to try and cover a lot of the um, technical stuff and uh, It should be a decent book uh, if I uh, ever get it done.
0: Do you think you'll be on uh, on like QVC hawking this thing at some point, or like what's the? (laughs) I don't.
2: They actually said that there would be a book tour. Now I don't know what your tour. I mean, anybody out there who's paid attention to what's happened to the world since the internet has come about knows that print media is you know really endangered. I mean, it's.
0: I don't know about the book part of it. They seem to be selling pretty well, books wise, not papers and magazines. Not, especially the books. cookbooks.
2: They're yeah, hanging in there. Geez. But um, uh, um, e-books, um, uh, Kindles and um, uh, iPads and others really are impacting the book publishing world. And it's pretty easy for somebody with a book idea to write it and run it through some software and come out with a self-published electronic book yep. that they can either sell themselves or sell through Amazon and other places, take all the middleman markup, uh, and it actually can be as profitable or more profitable. I'm with Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. That's one of the big publishers. But they take a big chunk of the money. Yeah. Um, you know. So, I mean, it's prestigious. I don't know. I, I mean, I, 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 there are days when I wish I hadn't committed to do it. Um, there are days when I'm thrilled with what, where it's going. I mean, I, I, I'm really jealous of guys like um, Dr. Barbecue, uh, who just churns them out. And, he, and they're good. I mean, it's not, I'm not implying that they're less. Or, or, or Steve Raiklin. Raiklin. Raiklin, Raiklin. I mean, th- this guy is uh, a real wordsmith. I mean, he's done fiction. Uh, I'm just not able to get it out that quickly.
0: Uh, we're talking about the book, right? hey <laughs> Meathead, what about uh, this hot weather cooking? I mean, well, G- we spent Gene, a Gene whole. Apicella, who's in the? Um, yep, I, I can see. see
2: him in the uh, uh, chat room uh, tonight. Uh, yep. Wrote you, and uh, you passed it on to me. We talked last to... time I was on last Tuesday, uh once one, first Tuesday of the month. Yeah. Last month, first Tuesday, we talked about cold weather cooking, and uh, this sob is in um, Port St. John, Florida. Yeah. Um, where they haven't seen a snowflake in a hundred years. Um, we actually warmed up to the 50s this week, and I was walking around. I actually grilled today, uh, but we're going down to uh, we're going to get three to six inches of snow again. So, but in any case, um, it's an interesting question, and that we can all deal with it. Um, how, are there allowances we need to make for uh hot weather? He says, um, my patio is in direct sunlight most of the day. In the summer, the dome thermostat on my kettle reads 150 degrees. The dome thermometer uh, reads 150 degrees when I removed the grill cover um, just from lying on a metal table. Uh, The probe from the ET732 reads 115 degrees lying on a metal table. Um, Do these suggest that I should adjust cooking times or the cooking temps? Well, okay, so... um, the, the, the key concept here is, and this dovetails into what we're going to talk about next, and that is the concept of if you're looking, you ain't cooking, and is that true? What matters is is the um, temperature of the air contacting the meat surface. So if it's 115 outside, then you're going to need less heat inside, to raise the temperature. Let's say you're doing a pork butt at 225. You're going to need less fuel or less oxygen. Those are the two vital parts to get to target temp. But if you get to 225, the cooking time will be almost identical if it's 10 below or 110 degrees ambient temperature outside your cooker. As long as the air touching the meat is 225, Nothing to worry about. The issue then is, is how do you adjust the temperature inside to allow for the hot temperature or the cold temperature outside? Um, And since we talked about cold temperature last time, um, there are some things that you can do. First of all, the most obvious is, is reduce the fuel. Um, Fewer charcoals. uh, cut back on oxygen. Now, you got to be careful. When you cut back on oxygen with charcoal, you can create smoldering, yeah. and you can get this very thick white or gray smoke, which doesn't have the best flavor. You want to go for a thinner or a bluer smoke. Um, you don't want the fire gasping for air. So you want to, re- you know, manage the two. And I str- always recommend that people practice a couple of times with no meat. Just, you know, go out there on a hot day and just see – how many coals it takes to hit your target temp um, and uh, fiddle with that and fiddle with the vents until you get it right. Um, but um, keep in mind that the temperature in the dome up above the food is different than down on the cooking surface where yeah. the food is. Right. And that has a lot to do with where the coals are. Um, if you're using a kettle and you've got all the coals pushed over to one side in your meat's closer to the coals, Um, But uh, up on the dome, it's getting all that direct sun. Um, So you want to, I mean, those two two probe thermometers like the Maverick ET732, which Gene has, is a good way to check dome temp versus um, meet surface temp. Do not believe the dial. The dial thermometers, those were invented in the eighteen seventies or something. And they're just <laughs> not as accurate as the digitals. So play with get to know your instrument. You know? Get get play with it in different temperatures, meter the temperature in different locations, um, so that you have an idea of what's going on. And play with the vents. Um almost never do you want to close the top vents all the way. No. Um, that will just trap a lot of smoke in there and uh, the fire will eventually start to choke and smolder because it's not, you're not getting air, air flow through the top vent or the chimney pulls air in through the bottom. Yep. Uh, it's not the other way around. So that, that's crucial. Other things you can do is you can, if you're using a water pan, throw ice in it. Um, uh, it'll melt eventually, but that water pan Water boils at 212 and it never goes above two twelve. One of the reasons, and that's another topic that if time permits we'll discuss today, is what do you do what what goes in the water pan. But if the water pan is at two twelve, then that's going to be a good regulator. Um uh it's gonna hold the temperatures fairly steady and it's gonna hold the temperature down. So water pans are a good thing to use. And you can throw ice cubes in the water pan. Um, you can use fewer coals, as I said, uh, regulate the airflow. And if the temperature runs up a little bit, I, it's not going to be the end of the world. I mean, we all shoot for this low, slow 225, I think, is a magic number, and a lot of people agree. But, I mean, everybody out there, you've, you've, you've lost control on a pork butt, and it runs up to 300. And you know what? You can hardly tell. Right. Uh, I mean, a pork butt, just it can take a beating. Um, uh, so it's not the end of the world if it gets a little out of control.
0: Let me but, let me interrupt yeah, just for a sec. I used to have a, a 42-inch close offset, mm. and it stood mm. directly in the sunlight for half yeah. the day, the hottest part of the day. Yeah. And when I wasn't paying attention when I was getting to learn it, uh, you know, in the morning when I would start, uh, I, it was a lot easier to keep temperature, but then when the sun would creep down on it, uh, much like uh, Eugene or, or was, yeah, Eugene said, uh, you know, if I had the cover off on that thing and just let it sit in the sun, it would get up to one hundred twenty-five, hundred and thirty degrees, mm. with not even being on. And then you would put a fire in it, and you would uh, quickly eyeball the uh, temperature of the pit, which is kind of how I would gauge that in velocity of smoke, and when I would put in another log. Yeah, well, guess what? All of a sudden, your log feed times were stretching out to an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty minutes. And the next thing you know, your fire's out because it was consuming uh, the fire and you weren't paying any attention because all you were looking at was the uh, temperature of the pit and you weren't really looking at the firebox. So if you are operating a live fire in hot temperatures, be cognizant of the fact that, you know, that overall cooking chamber temperature is probably going to stay up there. Don't forget about the fire for crying out loud.
2: Well, uh, I mean, one of the easiest things you can do, of course, is try to get it in shade. I mean, shade temperature is a lot different than under direct sunlight. That direct sunlight is infrared heat, and infrared heat is the type of stuff you got when you're cooking right over hot flame, um, and that's the hottest heat there is. So if you can get it into the shade, um, you can do a lot of good. Um, You can bring a household fan out and put a fan across it. Move cool air across the surface. You can wet the surface. Um, you can get a hose or a bucket of water and cool the surface of your um, grill, and that will cool down the interior. Um, and you can paint your smoker white, the exterior. You want to get muffler paint or some high-heat um, paint, but uh, the stuff that won't chip and crack, and you got to be very careful about paint you put on the interior. Uh, that make sure it's food safe, but you you know white paint will reflect heat. Uh, actually, I think white paint works better than silver paint, um, and so you just you know you could paint it white, especially if you're living in Florida. Black is just going to become a heat sink and suck it up. So I I don't know if I've solved your problem, Gene, but there are some things you can do um I, there's another thing that you know it's cheating and i'm going to get yelled at in the message uh, board for this uh but um uh you can always start out at whatever temperature you can get outdoors get your smoke on the meat and then move it
0: indoors outrageous why That's would you I'm even say about. that <laughs> By the way, folks, uh, Meathead's last appearance tonight. Thank you for coming. Uh, Meathead, let me – let's. Uh, so look, the bottom line is he lives in really good weather, and a lot of us would be jealous to have such temperatures yeah, all year yeah. round. Uh, so hopefully we've helped him out there. But let's get into some of the, the main topics here tonight. And one of them is an Internet uh, term that was really popular four or five years ago, which was if you're looking, you're not cooking. And I've heard anything from, well, if you – Even peak underneath, you're adding 15 or 20 minutes to your cook time, and boy, did that scare the shit out of everybody. So, uh, you've obviously put science to this. What have you uh, found out?
2: And it's more than internet. I mean, I've, I've, I don't know if I can angle the camera over there. Mm, To my left, I've got a bookshelf with almost every barbecue book I can find. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And uh, so many of them say this too it's a well-known established shibboleth that if you are looking, you ain't cooking peaking is a terrible thing to do. And yeah, I've heard that 15 minute penalty, uh, yeah. uh every often. time. Right. Um, I, I asked again, people who listen to me or read, uh, the website know that I work with, uh, a physicist, Dr. Greg Blonder, he used to be head of research at bell labs. And, uh, I asked Dr. Blonder about this and, uh, We talked about it, and, uh, you know, the answer seemed logical to us, but he said, let me do some experiments, and uh, he said about actually taking some measurements. Did you get the last-minute images I sent you, the pictures I sent? Oh, you did? Of course. Um, There are two. Um, One is a graph. Can you show the graph? Yeah.
0: Here it is. Coal cooking whole chicken in Weber.
2: Nope. That's the uh, next segment. There we go. Okay. So. What? Um, This is a a charcoal uh, Weber kettle. Yeah. um, And, uh, whoop, no, go back.
0: Yeah, it's back up. You're on delay. Go ahead.
2: Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, And uh, what he did was he uh, got the temp up to uh, 450 degrees approximately, and then he lifted the lid for a minute, and then he put the lid back down. And during that minute, the temperature plummeted to 150 degrees. Right. Straight off the bottom, and you can see it's it's, the, it, it's in on the left there. Um, but it recovered very quickly. Now, you'll notice that throughout this chart, the green line declines ever so slightly. Yep. That's because coal is burning down, and it's producing less heat. It doesn't have anything to do with lifting the lid. Um, the second time, he lifted it for five minutes, and you can see, plummeted right off the table, straight to the bottom. But again, it comes back fairly quickly. Now, some of this has to do with the fact that there is heat trapped in the lid. So if you lift the lid and then flip it over, you're going to let a lot of the heat escape. But if you lift the lid straight up, there's still a lot of heat in there. But even if you do flip it over, put it back down, that those coals or the gas grill, and there's a chart on the website for gas and pellet grills, Um, uh, there's so much heat being generated that it comes right back up in a hurry. So you are losing temperature, um, but you're not losing it a lot and you're not losing it for long. Um, On uh, the pellet smoker, I didn't send Greg the chart because I can just tell you about it. The pellet smoker, it recovered and it actually overshot. It actually went up higher Mm. than the starting temperature Mm -hmm. because you remember pellet grills, have a thermostat. So they detect the fact the temperature has dropped, got to crank up the heat so it pumps more air and pellets in there. And then the gas grill, it's not got a thermostat, but it's got a constant flow of fuel. So the temperature shot back up there and leveled off pretty quickly also. Um, uh, Now, the, the interesting thing is, is he's also put probes. The green line is the probe of the air temp, but there's a Probe on the surface of the meat, and then a probe in the center of the meat. The surface of the meat's the red line, and the center of the meat's the blue line. And in case you're not able to see this or you're listening in to the podcast, you can see that they continue to climb pretty steadily. The surface of the meat does respond ever so slightly to the air temp dipping when he lifts the lid, but not a lot. Because meat is mostly water, 75%, 65% water, and a little fat. Um, And that really is a good holder of temperature or uh, it, it resists rapid change. And down in the center, the blue line, it doesn't even notice. No. And that's where we're watching the temperature the most. It doesn't even notice what's happening on the surface. There's a chicken, a whole chicken. So he's there, got the probe in the, in the chicken breast. So the blue line is probably no more than an inch from the surface. So remember the key is, and people who've listened to hear me say this often enough, but it's, it's, it's such a core concept in outdoor cooking in indoor cooking too, is that the hot air heats the surface of the food but the surface of the food is what cooks the interior of the food. So even when you turn the air off, open it up, the hot heat in the surface continues to work its way towards the center. It'll also escape, but it continues to work its way to the center and continues to cook, and that's carryover cooking. So the result is, as we see here, is that it has almost no noticeable impact on the um, temperature of the center. Now, we've actually carried out, I did I did the math part of it, which was really scary, um, on my our website, on my article about looking and cooking. You can see there's a, uh, I did some equations and we calculated roughly how much time it would add to a long brisket cook. And it does add maybe 30 minutes. It's not a huge amount of, uh, of time. It's not nearly 15 minutes for every time you look. And that means you can open the lid and spritz. You can open the lid and um, stab it with a uh, um, an instant read thermometer. And if you're just curious, you can open a lid and peek or steal a nosh, um, and you're not really going to pay a penalty for it. So, uh, and and he I, 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 did this research last summer. I asked him last month, do it again in February. Tell me what it does in February. And there was a difference. He picked a really cold February day. Um, but not much, uh, but the big difference was in the five minute lid removal and nobody takes a lid off for five minutes, No. but the wind was cold and strong enough oh. that it really cold, chilled the exterior. And so the interior did respond ever so slightly, but not a lot. So I, I think that the idea that, Oh, put the lid down hurt. You're going to ruin the food. Eh, it's not going to hurt a darn darn thing peak if you want. And we know know also, thanks to Dr. Blonder's research, that um, moisture on the surface of the meat attracts smoke. So if you're looking to get smoky, you can open the lid, hit it with a spritz. Now remember that spritz is going to cool the surface. So that will affect the the, the cooking temperature far greater than lifting the lid. Spritzing. So you've got you know, uh, a whole lot of physics going on here.
0: No doubt about it. Meathead joining us here on the show. Uh, Meathead, go ahead and uh, take a quick break here while we talk about our good friends over in uh, Warminster, Pennsylvania, the barbecue guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control technology. That's right. Uh, if you're thinking about. Getting something like this, maybe uh, wives or girlfriends, for your husband or boyfriend, uh, same sex lover, if they're into barbecue uh, for automatic pit temperature control, why not take a look at the people that created the technology? Now, if you're not familiar with how these little beauties work, you know, I don't like to talk about minute details, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature, and once set, it keeps it running at that set temperature all the way through the cook. Sounds too good to be true. It's not. This is real life. You can take advantage of this technology today. So if you're a busy working professional like me, or perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids doing errands, quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend these pit temperatures. I understand. The Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs. You're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. And the Guru maintains the pit temperature you set it at. Currently, there's a number of different models to choose from, two of the most popular the one that I call the easiest point of entry into automatic pit temperature control device kingdoms. The party queue at 129 bucks, in the middle of getting a facelift that we'll hear about from Bob Trudnack in a couple weeks. Uh, Again, this fits on a majority of cookers, uh, $10 extra for the ceramic or the Kamado-style cookers, but even for $139, it's a deal. It's a self-contained unit. It runs on AA batteries. I affectionately refer to it as the hooker of automatic pit temperature control devices because it goes from cooker to cooker, and it will work flawlessly. Also, if you're a tech nerd, if you like the tablet connections, the smartphone connections, all that stuff, CyberQ Wi-Fi right up your alley. Burning up the competition market, burning up a lot of the backyards as well. And if you're in the market for a cooker, the Onyx oven is definitely where you want to be at. Holds a really good amount of meat, holds half and full pans for food service, seamlessly working with the Barbecue Guru automatic pit temperature control devices as well. So do yourself a favor, head on over to the website, thebbqguru.com. Check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box again the number 800 288 guru or the website the bbqguru.com the barbecue guru a breakthrough in barbecue technology all right we're back with the meathead right after this stick around we'll be right back <music>
3: in the smoke call 877 448 to get on the air now here's your host greg rambi
0: all right we are back um i don't know about anybody else but my uh, chat room is gonza so yeah. what you you can't see me. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Lost
2: you. I've lost the ch- chat room. Yeah,
0: it's gone. It's out of here. All right, now let me let me point one thing out here for the people that were enjoying the the graph and everything that you were showing. Especially if you're using the charcoal cooker, and you mentioned the overshoot on the pellet grill, which I think is by design, um, yeah, because of the thermostat. But when you are doing the charcoal stuff, you know, remember, folks. When the lid is off, and you alluded to it briefly there for a second, when the lid is off, you know, if the heat if you're trapping heat in the dome or whatever, a uh, huge amount of oxygen hitting the coals, yes. spiking. So, why I mean, why would it take longer to get back up to temperature? You put the lid on that you have a fire that was way hotter than it was before you took the lid off.
2: Right. Absolutely. It's like putting bellows onto that stuff. <laughs> you're right. Absolutely. Good point.
0: All right. So uh, that's... If you're looking, you're not cooking. Now, if you have the bullet-style smokers, and, you know, when I had that close, as I had mentioned, because it wasn't, you know, traditionally long like a lot of these other cookers were, I had the baffle, uh, the heat baffle or the, the intake from the firebox that would run across the cooking chamber. And a lot of people said, hey, you know, you might want to think about sticking a pan of water right close to that, blah, blah, blah. So water pan, whether it's an offset, whether it is a bullet style smoker like you'd find in the Weber Smoky Mountains and the like, a lot of people want to get cute. A lot of people want to put beer and wine and shallots and all this other, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, black truffle butter and you know whatever oh. else. So what are we uh, what are we talking about when it comes to putting water in the water pan? I mean, is it just that easy?
2: Well, all right, let's let's get let's go back and define some terms because there's there's two types of pans. Um, And it's a subtle difference, but it's a difference.
4: Um,
2: There's the drip pan and the water pan. Now, if you're doing a roast or a turkey or something, um, unfortunately, I've lost video here. But the other picture I sent was a picture of my turkey pan. I I have a water pan under it, but it's not just a water pan. It's got onion and carrot and celery and uh, white wine and herbs. And what I'm doing is I'm using it to catch drips, and I'm making a turkey stock. It's like a soup, and that becomes the base for my gravy. Uh, And I don't use um, uh, flour in the gravy. I keep it thin. It's like a really great turkey stock, and that's my gravy. But that's not adding any flavor to the meat. Flavor compounds in a liquid, like wine or beer, are measured in parts per billion, I mean, wine as strong a flavor it is. It's like ninety-eight. Well, all right. Take away the alcohol, which is you know fourteen percent. We'll say roughly uh, one or two percent of what's left are flavor compounds. All the rest is just water. So there's not much in the way of flavor compounds. It's infinitesimally small compared to the flavor that's in the meat and in the rub and in the sauce. If you're going to put herbs in the water pan. Put them on the meat. There's, whatever flavor is going to be extracted from the herbs into the water and then evaporate and strike the surface is minuscule. The smoke flavor is stronger. And certainly your rub and uh, your sauce. So anything you put in the water pan other than water is a waste of money. Don't put beer in there. Drink the beer. Don't put right. wine in there. Drink the wine. Don't waste your spices in there. Put them on the food itself. You're just not generating any flavor uh, of any consequence. Um, uh, it's just a waste of money. So, But the key of the water pan is the water pan does serve the thermal function that we talked about earlier. It sticks at 212. So it helps maintain even steady temperature. It keeps the temperature down. That water will not go above 212. Um, I mean, probably everybody in the audience knows this, but just a fact of physics. If you take a pan of water, put it on a burner, turn the burner halfway up, it starts to boil. It hits 212, and the water is boiling and steam is coming off. Turn the burner to full, and it doesn't go above 212. Even though you're putting more energy onto the pan. Right. The water will not boil and it won't get any higher than 212 until the water boils off. Um water will just stick at 212. And that's one of the reasons why wetting your wood chips is 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 silly, because the wood chips will go up to two twelve, the water will steam off, and then it will rise up to about two seventy-five, three hundred, where it will start to smoke and smolder. But it can't get there until it gets past the water boiling temperature of two twelve. But I'm digressing. Um uh, <laughs> which I've never done before. Never. <laughs> um, but in any case, Um, The water pan serves a lot of functions. It can absorb and stabilize heat. Um, um, Among other things, it can block the flame and flare ups that uh, can occur. It evens out hot spots. Um, it, it, It can create water vapor. And when water vapor mixes with smoke, it does create some interesting compounds like the nitrogen compounds and nitrous oxide and other compounds that land on the surface of the meat that helps form smoke rings. Now, I had a discussion with somebody on my Facebook page the other day who swore – that he couldn't get a smoke ring when he used a water pan, but when he put sand in the water pan, he got a better smoke ring. Wow. And I don't understand why, because it should go the other way. It, you should get a better smoke. I wish I could see the chat room and hear what these guys have to say. But you should get a better smoke ring with water than you would with uh... – but the other thing is if you put sand or ceramic, as some people like to do over on the uh, Weber Smoky Mountain uh, um, message boards uh, – um, that will go way above 212. I mean, sand will heat up really high. That's silicon. Uh, it'll get really hot. So it's not giving you the uh, t- thermal control. Um, it, it does become a thermal mass, but it can get out, you know, right on up. Um, the, um, the moisture that comes out of that water pan um, will create humidity in the atmosphere, which will moisten the surface of the meat, which helps smoke to stick, um it also um cools the surface of the meat which helps it cook more slowly slow cooking is good melts uh, connective tissue um and it reduces evaporation from the meat so the meat will stay a little moister um so i'm a big advocate of water pans even on a gas grill if you're adapting it to um low and slow cooking or a charcoal grill or i just think that water pans add a lot to the uh, cooking uh, process.
0: Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. AmazingRibs dot com is the website if you want to uh, check it out and see all the great information there. Um, what was the? Uh, there was uh, one other thing that I was going to. Uh, that I was going to ask you about uh, in regards to water pan. Oh, uh, there's uh, always talk about the water pan adding. or or perhaps being the missing link to having a succulent brisket or adding uh, all of this great moisture to chicken or ribs or whatever. And I say that, and I believe we we recently had a a similar uh, quick topic debate on this, that if you think that it is the solution that you are actually adding this uh, abundant amount of humidity into your cooker, you're wrong because you're not rapidly boiling the water. I mean, there obviously is probably – it's steaming, so there's probably some type of moisture that's going in there. But if you could speak on that just a little bit, you're not – Well, you've hit it. You're not infused. There's
2: not much to add. The other thing is, is that um, the air turnover in a typical charcoal grill, it's shocking how much the air turns over. Um, You can get 10 turnovers per uh, per minute. So there's a lot of air moving through there Um, in order to get the humidity a lot higher – um, you'd have to put a lot of, you'd have to start spraying a mist, um, in there. And actually, I've seen some people experiment, you know, um, when they make, uh, French baguettes, they often put a mist into the air, um, uh, to help create the uh, crust on a baguette. I've never seen that done in a smoker, but I've heard people toy with the idea. Um, uh, it is not the all be all end all solution, but a lot of smokers do it. Um, I mean, you're, um, uh, your backwoods smokers all, almost all have water pans. Um, um, I just recently saw Myron Mixon's new product line. They're they, they're, they're huge on water pans. Um, Self-filling
0: or something like that too, right? Me? It's got a huge tank off to the side, so as it actually um, uh, burns off in the cooker, it actually yeah, fills off on its own. What's
2: the name? Uh, Meadow Creek has a new one that's uh, like a refrigerator, and it has a five-gallon water carboy right. on the side. That feeds the water. Now, I I was talking with uh, Blonder about this, and he had a really interesting suggestion. Um, uh, He said, if you really want to put more moisture in the air, put lava rocks in the water pan with the water and make sure they're above the surface. Because lava rocks are like sponges and they've just got a ton of surface area. If it's just a flat water pan, you've got this, you know, 20 inches of water on a Weber Smoky Mountain circumf- or d- diameter. Um, uh, but if you put lava rocks, make little mountain ranges sticking out of the water, now you vastly increase the surface area and they will wick the water up. So it would put a lot more water into the air. Um, so that's an interesting idea if you really want to experiment with adding more moisture to the atmosphere. Um, another trick, uh, a lot of people have figured this out. You don't need me to tell you this. Line your water pan with foil or use a disposable pan because uh, water pans, once they get full of dripping and grease and stuff, Ew. they're a pain to clean up. Um, I will often take my water pan and mix it with the uh, dead ash. I've got like a little... Uh, garbage can that I this is miniature garbage can and I mix the ash and the uh, water pan drippings together and dump them in a uh, um, a plastic bag and throw them out don't dump them on the lawn I made that mistake years ago when I was just getting started oh boy did my dog smell bad for a few days (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but uh, I like water pans I think they're a good idea
0: I completely agree and I've uh, I used to be the guy that did go from water originally uh and because i was like uh you know i was started out doing a lot of overnight cooks with pork butts when i first got in the Weber Smoky mountain and uh you know this was a warmer time during the season and i would run it a little bit hot as it was breaking in so i found myself having to get up in the middle of the night to refill the water pan i was like man this sucks it's three o'clock in the morning and i'm refilling the water pan with an old wine bottle that would fit in through the little trap door and so i started using Sand, and then, of course, I noticed as you had mentioned that uh, it was almost the flip flop where normally the grate by the water pan would be at a less temperature than uh, the one closer to the dome. Well, now it had flip flopped the one that was closest to the sand was cooking hotter than the one on the uh, yeah, that was closer yeah. to the dome, so you 're doing a you know a different flip for different reasons, but it stopped me from having to get up in the middle of the night to refill the water. but then, <laughs> in the end, I went back because the the temperature consistency or an integrity throughout the cook was much better with water than anything else
2: i've seen guys rig um things like uh a, a jug of water you know you 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 set um a tube into this side You, yeah, i gotta drill a hole in your weber smoky mountain or whatever you're and you you run a tube in there and you set it um at the water surface level and you put the water in there and it, it'll it'll f- automatically fill itself but yep. uh Uh, That seems like an awful lot of effort. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do an all-night cook. um, Well, first of all, I'm going to use something like a pellet smoker, indeed. (laughs) But if I'm going to do an all-night cook with a charcoal smoker or something, I I, you know, I I gotta I gotta look at my food. I gotta I gotta peek. I gotta look at my meat. I gotta go out and I gotta check my charcoal. I don't. It's still a hands-on process for me. I know I can walk away and leave it, but. I, I don't know. That's why. That's half the fun. What is fun is
0: that? That's right. Uh, smelling
2: and touching and tasting and snapping off a little bit of that bark when nobody's looking.
0: That's right. Cooks candy. Uh, Meathead Golden has talked about his book that will never end. Uh, he's talked about hot weather cooking. And if you're looking, you're not cooking. And, of course, uh, lastly, we've talked about the water pan. You can find him at AmazingRibs.com. And on this show, the second Tuesday of every month, Meathead, as always, the pleasure was yours.
2: <laughs> it really was, Greg. Always fun. Take care, buddy. Thank right, you.
0: Take care. There he is. Meathead Goldwyn. Amazingribs.com. And uh, that's the place you want to go. Also, you know, aside from uh, being on this show, uh, he is very accessible. So if you have questions that you want to ask him, uh, you can email him, and uh, he will certainly be more than happy to uh, take your questions right there on the website, reply to threads, very active there. I mean, that's the job. That's what he do. Like a lot of us in this industry would like to say that you know we do it full time. He does it full time. He's got people on retainer. Before we wrap up the first hour, we will talk about Butcher Barbecue. You know, another great product is going to be coming out with Butcher Barbecue. I just saw it on their Facebook. This thing, you know, you might think to yourself conceptually, you know, it's not going to revolutionize the injection industry. However. You know what? It just might. And it's one of those simple things that is going to make a huge impression. And here's what I'm talking about. Uh, Butcher Barbecue, obviously well known for the injections, but maybe you travel, maybe you cater and you're injecting, or obviously if you're on the competition trail, you know damn well you're injecting, or you're not winning. You're not recouping your expense. He's made, or uh, found a a maker of, it looks like a big plastic shaker jar. It's got Butcher Barbecue logo on and uh, it's got the lines marked for here's where you want to fill your liquid up uh, for this amount and that amount. You pour your injection in, you shake it up, and boom, you got a traveling injection shaker bottle. Again, you know, doesn't seem like that's a, a game changer, but when you really think about it, when you go to contests, when you go to large catered events, do you see somebody that has a specific bottle? That's uh, already like your measuring cup is in there as well. I thought, you know, here's this Dave Bosk going to change it up again. Not only was he uh, doing the trade-in program where you could uh, send in somebody else's commercially made injection to him and he would give you back whatever that amount was in return, uh, whether it be the pork, the of uh, the beef, or the bird booster injections. Uh, then he was... Uh, you know, making sauce, uh, and he was making rubs. It, you know, it started out as the injections. I mean, he's continually trying to change the game. And now with this new injection bottle, I'm sure there's a better term for that, but I want to try and make sure that I can explain it to you as simply as possible. Uh, so now you can wash it. You can bring it to uh, the competitions with you. You set it on the table, pour the injection in, fill it up with water. It tells you if you want this much, pour it here, shake it up, Stick your injection needle in there, and boom, you are ready to rock and roll. And then once you're done with it, stick it in the bag, take it home, wash it up, be ready to go the next time. Again, it's ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Again, shipping-wise, you're not breaking the bank. Anything at $55 ships at $8.50, between $55 and $200 at $9.75, and anything over $200 ships exactly for free after tax. It's ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. We are back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We will be right back. Hang up.
3: Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show.
0: We're back. you recall a couple weeks ago, I contracted a uh, fella to make a cartoon picture of me looking like this. Watch out. And I showed you one that I had, and I didn't think it looked very good. I thought maybe I was uh, taken for $5. So I redid it. And I want to... uh, Well, I need to build a little... So, you know, that's me uh, with a beard. You've seen me with a beard before. Uh, So, here is the original. And then here's what the new one looks like. I think it's a winner. Love it. Here's the original. And here is the drawing. Here is the original. And... Here is a drum. I think overall for five bucks, that's a winner right there. Absolutely.
4: I think it's one of the five best dollars I've ever spent, really.
0: Uh, I know, I don't know if we're, we're back up and running or not at the moment, but I know we're having the, some small issues over on the uh, at least the chat room side of the outdoor cooking channel. Um, We're uh, broadcasting live and direct right here on the show, Uh, so our feed is fine. If you are interested in uh, still listening to the show live without any video, you can run over to the bbqcentralshow.com and click on the audio. We're more than happy to have you uh, over there clicking in and uh, listening to it there as well. I'm just uh, visiting the Outdoor Cooking channel right now, and it looks like we're still having some uh, chat room issues, but nevertheless... Enjoy the show how it was meant to be back in the day. All radio, all the time. You do it. You'll be happy that you did it. And you know you will. 216-220-0966 is the new number. Again, 216 966 Make a note of that number. And, of course, you can email. Uh, 877-448... Uh, no, no... Greg at com. I'm just getting a word in here from uh, Kevin Bevington Uh, Don't mean to interrupt but obviously the chat room is down That's right Stream is fine though Alright So you got the video Stay there Chat amongst yourselves Uh, We're going to step away here briefly and uh, reload for the second hour Maybe recap a little bit of the first hour. We'll see how it goes. Uh, again, if you want to jump in, new number, 216-220-0966. And uh, you can also email the show, greg at the BBQ Central show.com uh, We'll be back at the top of the hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show
4: we cook because we have to and we grill because we want to fine how's it going (laughs) you have a great show i'm a big fan so what what
5: what seems to be the problem here this man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle
4: charbono it's all about the charbono dude Succulent fish. What? He ate fifty-four wiener. Oh, listen, I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Tough
0: men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour, ladies and gentlemen. A little uh, don G writing in. FYI, you still have the eight seven seven number on the scroll on the video. Yet, no kidding. Done. It takes a little time to get everything readjusted. I have my finger on the pulse of exactly what is wrong with the show all the time. Don't even think about it. Denver Cavins of Inertia Media is working up on a, a new lower third. Lower one third. Whatever they call it. All right, here we go. Do I want to take this phone call? Do I want to take this? Yeah, why not? Area code uh, 208, you're on the air. Greg,
4: what are you doing? It's your mother calling. Hi, Mom. What are you doing?
0: Uh, I'm just hosting a show. What are you doing, Mom?
4: How's Dad? Just making some cookies.
0: He is? (laughs) Outstanding. So what can I do for you tonight? Oh, mom's gone. Get
3: that big stuff out of here.
0: All right. Mom's calling in. Get an email from Gene uh, Apacea. Thanks for addressing hot weather cooking. I recently brought a large patio umbrella to provide some shade. I'll see later in the spring, summer, whether or not it makes a difference. By the way, really appreciate the SOB reference. I've been called worse, but I consider it ingest. Of course. Should always consider it ingest. Trust me, if I'm not in, if I'm not ingesting, you're gonna know about it, Mister. Still to come on the show tonight: Stuart Powell from Cook Shack and Dennis May from Smoking in the Dark. So, lock in on the show next week. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, we have so here's what happens: first Tuesday of every month, uh, Ray Lampy Doctor Barbecue, for Ask Doctor Barbecue. Second Tuesday of every month meathead Goldwyn, and now the third tuesday of every month the icon of the industry steven reichland will be joining us so next week and the third tuesday of every month ongoing from uh, you know barbecue bible so forth also a uh, guy a lot of opinions a lot of uh, products great products a lot of great rubs wait and a lot of opinions in the industry Sterling Ball from Big Papa Smokers will be in. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about the guinea pig. Uh, He's going to be competing in an event this coming weekend as well. Uh, If you didn't know, the 2014 Sam's Club Series is well underway. Rolled into Bertrand Rouge, Louisiana this past weekend. This was a local event qualifier, seeing the top six teams move on to the Midwest City-Oklahoma Regional Final, which will take place on September 20th. And the top six teams moving on to that event. Winner, Grand Champion, soon to appear in about 30 minutes from now. Smoking in the dark. And a Grand, uh, re, uh, sorry, Reserve Grand Champion. This guy's still around and winning quite a bit. Mike Davis, a lot of bull barbecue. And the uh, rest of your four that are moving on Incognito Cookers CNB barbecue. Bayou Boogie Barbecue and uh, rounding out the top six habitual smokers moving on. So congratulations to those teams that will be moving on to the regional final, which takes place in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Uh, notoriously one of the hardest regional finals. A to get into and then obviously move on to the finals from. Next Sam's Club event this coming weekend, March 15th in Fort Worth, Texas. So good luck to all the teams competing down in Fort Worth. I'm going to get off the board here just a little bit because I've been hearing more and more about this over the last couple days, and quite frankly, I'm horrified. Horrified with the fact that there's this company, you've probably seen them, especially if you like gummy bears, Haribo. H-A-I-R, like hair and then bow, Haribo. Haribo. They make uh, sugar free gummy bears. Now, evidently, from the research that I've been doing and from some of these other uh, shows that I've been hearing this covered on, it's sweeping the internet. The sugar free ones might not even be available here in the United States. That's what I'm talking about. So you might have to get on. Well, I found out about it uh, on Amazon. I was reading reviews. I'm going to be reading you a review here that you will not believe. You know, the one thing that you hear about sugar-free anything is, well, it doesn't taste as good, or the taste sucks, or it's obviously different than from the original version. So why would you want to put yourself through that misery? But evidently, the Haribo sugar-free gummy bears, and I love a good gummy bear. I love the white ones, are taste-wise just as good or better than the regular ones. Except buyer beware, and uh, (laughs) and by beware, I mean head for the hills. Your butthole will thank me for it in the morning. And here, This is just one man's review of what is evidently one of the worst things you can put in your body, this Haribo sugar-free gummy bear. You know, it's like anything. People, oh, it's not going to happen to me, or I'll take that challenge, and you think it comes in five-pound bags or whatever. This is a direct review coming from the Amazon. Amazon.com, by the way. And it reads a little something like this, and pardon me if I start laughing my ass off during the middle. Oh man, words cannot express what happened to me after eating these. The gummy bear cleanse. If you are someone that can tolerate the sugar substitute, enjoy. If you're like the dozens of people that tried my order, run. First of all, for taste, I would rate these 5 out of 5. So good. Soft, true to taste, fruit flavors like sugar variety. I was a happy camper. But, or should I say, but, T. -T 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 Not long after eating about 20 of these, all hell broke loose. I had a gastrointestinal experience like nothing I've ever imagined. Cramps, sweating, bloating beyond my worst nightmare. I've had food poisoning from some bad cellfish, and that was almost like a skip in the park compared to what was going on inside of me. Then came the uh, flatulence. Heavens to Murgatroyd. The sounds like trumpets calling the demons back to hell. The stench like 1,000 rotten corpses vomited. I couldn't stand to stay in one room for fear of succumbing to my own orders. Uh-oh. But wait, there's more. What came out of me felt like someone tried to funnel Niagara Falls through a coffee straw. I swear my sphincter was screaming. It felt like my delicate starfish was gaping maw projectile vomit. <laughs>
4: uh. <laughs>
0: Vomiting a torrential flood of toxic waste, 100% liquid, flammable liquid, napalm. It was actually a bit humorous for just a nanosecond, as it was just beyond anything I could imagine possible. And it went on for hours. I felt violated when it was over, which I think might have been sometime in the early morning the next day. There was stuff coming out of me that I ate from my wedding in 2005. I had five pounds of these innocent-looking, delicious-tasting hellbears. So I told a friend about what happened to me, thinking it had to be some type of sensitivity I had to the sugar substitute. And in spite of my warnings and graphic descriptions, she decided to take her chances and took them all off of my hands. Silly woman. All the same for her and a cell phone call from her while on the toilet because you kind of end up living in the bathroom for a spell telling me she really wished she had listened to me, and I think she was crying. Her sister was skeptical and succumbed to the same fate. She took them since there was still 99% of the five-pound bag left. She works construction company and builders, roofers, house painters, landscapers, lots of people who generally have limited access to toilets on a given day. I can't even imagine what all those poor men and women pooped that day. I keep envisioning men on roofs crossing their legs and trying to decide if they can make it down the ladder or if they should just jump. (laughs) That's the better idea. Just jump. If you order these, best of luck to you. And please don't post a video review of the aftershocks. No kidding. Look. If I've warned you once, I've warned you twice, be wary of the sugar substitutes that people are putting in to make it sugar-free. It might taste good, but it also might uh, lubricate the innards of your person, and you are going to be in a terrible way, evidently for hours. This person just ate 20 of them, and they're a review upon review upon review of the Hairbow sugar-free gummy bear. And there's videos as well. Just be forewarned that if anybody shows up on your doorstep, so I'm doing my public service to you today. Don't be foolish. Don't eat the sugar-free Haribo gummy bears. And if you're going to do it, record it all because I want to play it here on this show because I warned you not to do it. All right, Stuart Powell coming up out of the break. Folks, if you hate to stand near the grill waiting for your food, let iGrill take care of it. The uh, iGrill 2, the iGrill Mini Bluetooth grilling thermometers work with your iOS device to let you know when your food is perfectly cooked from up to 150 feet away. They magnetically mount to your grill or smoker and come packaged with pretty awesome features like graphing, minimum and maximum temperature settings, and custom alarms. The powerful yet compact single-probe iGrill Mini comes complete with proximity wake-up and LED temperature indicator that goes through a range of colors based on doneness. Red lets you know that your food has reached its target temperature, while green, yellow, and orange show its progress. Get your own iGrill Mini for $39.99 at iDevicesInc.com. That's the letter I, devices, and then I-N-C, iDevicesInc.com. And select the Lowe's stores. Then, of course, the iGrill 2, bigger and badder, a fully illuminated display and four probes for maximum grilling and temperature tracking. Shipping in May, so uh, just over a month from now. Pre-order your iGrill 2 for $99.99. Get free shipping on your orders of $50 or more. Again, that website, iDevicesInc.com. That's the letter I, devices, and then I-N-C, iDevicesInc.com. And don't forget to follow iGrill on Facebook for exclusive offers. And you can also get the barbecue updates there as well. So again, pricing on the iGrill Mini, $39.99, iDevicesInc.com, or if you're lucky enough, it's Select Low Stores, branching out in the big retail area, and then the iGrill 2, which is on pre-order right now, so it's shipping month after next. It's almost, uh, well, we're at the middle of March now, uh, so this one will uh, ship out in May, pre-orders, iGrill 2 for $99.99, again, the same website, iDevices, Inc. That's the letter iDevices, i-N-C, iDevices, Inc. com. Get over there. Spend $50 or more and it ships for free. Make the jump. Save on the ship. We are back with President and CEO of Cook Shack, Stuart Powell, right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
3: Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampy.
0: Alright, welcome back. 216 Greg at the BBQ Uh, My mom just texted me, wanted to know who that imposter was. I don't know. You know, rarely do I take the phone call out of the blue, right? Well, rarely do I get a phone call out of the blue. So, you know, top of the hour, it's a good time to lob a phone call in if you ever want to get on the air. Blew up in my face. This is what happens on live radio of the Internet kind. You have some guy saying it's my mom. I mean, obviously it wasn't my mom. I think I know what my mom says. All right, perhaps you're in the market for a cooker. Not sure if you want a pellet cooker or an electric cooker. No worries. My next guest offers the best of both on the market today. Let's go ahead and race over to the hotline and welcome back president and CEO of Cook Shack, Stuart Powell joining me here. Stuart, how are you, bud? Greg, I'm doing great. How are you tonight? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Stuart, appreciate you asking and uh, taking the time out here. You know, I guess before we get into uh, some of the cookers and some of the things you're going to be up to here shortly, uh, again, maybe a, a quick recap on your background and how you kind of got involved with Cook Shack.
5: Sure. I, uh,
1: my background is actually in engineering. I um,
5: moved to Ponca City in 1980 to um, be an um, engineer for Conico.
0: Hey, Stuart, are you getting uh, feedback on your end?
5: I am getting
0: feedback. Let me, let me call you right back. Okay. All right. Uh, see, I'm getting, getting wise to it, Shane. Yeah, I'm getting wise to it. You're not going to fool me with your with your talking. It happens. It's telephony. How's that, Stuart? A little better than that? That's better. All right. Well, now I'm still getting feedback. Are you really? Yeah. All right. Hold on one second. I'll try one more time. Okay. It's weird. Usually when you stop the first time, you call back the first time. Call back the first time? Yeah goes away all right. we'll see i'll leave the ringer on this time for non-professional reasons fingers crossed that the echo goes away. jeez oh Pete.
1: <laughs> all right i'm back with you
0: all right a uh, little better on the echo there that's better all yeah, right that's much better all right so engineering you moved to ponca city
1: so i moved to ponca city and um was uh worked for conoco for a little bit and then um went to work for a central vacuum manufacturer who um their distributor for the state of Oklahoma was related to the people at Cook Shack that owned Cook Shack at the time, and um, so that's how I got introduced. And um, you know, the uh, the parents that founded um, Cook Shack uh, passed away in 1985 in a boating accident, and um, so then in 1991, the kids that inherited the business hired me to manage it, and been there ever since, and uh, own own a piece of it
0: now. Hey, that's the way to do. get in there. And now you're owning a piece of it and be able to to get those views and uh, and how you want to press the company forward. How active are the other two uh, still in it? I mean, you pretty much uh, they're
1: they're not they're not active at all now.
0: No, yeah. just collecting big fat checks, right?
1: Well, I hope so. <laughs> that's, that's
0: <the> goal. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, Stuart Powell joining me here on the show. The website, by the way, if you want to check it out here while we're talking, Cook Shack. Uh, obviously, the competition season starts up for you this coming weekend in Miami, Oklahoma at the Smoking at the Run Barbecue Shootout. Look, I uh, saw you there last year as I was hosting it, and unfortunately I'm not going to be able to make it out there again this year, but this... Uh, well, we'll uh, miss you. Yeah, I'm going to be missed for sure, and I'm going to miss everybody. Because this thing has like changed just in a 12-month span. You've gone from, I think it was about 55 teams last year to roughly almost double the amount of teams. There's going to be double the amount of contests over the course of the weekend with two or maybe even three contests. This thing has just grown in seismic and gargantuan proportions just in one year. How are you feeling about going into this event?
1: Well, you know, I was on a um, conference call this evening um, with the, uh, I'm on the board of the Oklahoma Barbecue Society and, and um, I learned a couple of the big-name cooks aren't going to be there, so I feel better already.
0: <laughs> when, when you see a, a fleet of you know, 85, 83 teams that are going to be at a competition, you know, regardless if it's something that might be kind of more technically in the backyard or if you're having to travel quite a bit of ways to get there, do, do you get in a, a crapshoot frame of mind versus something that would be more of a, a 30 to 35 team competition when you have something that large?
1: Yes, definitely. I mean one of the, one of the things I liked about what um David was doing with his contest this year is that he's um he's splitting it into two contests the first the first day. Um and so, you know, you're gonna have a little bit of a smaller event which is always um, kinda nice. Um and then the the second day will be, you know, big contest and definitely look at those as a bit of a crab shoot. You know, we always uh I actually really like the new um Judging system, I guess you would call it. The KCBS is used, where at the end of the day you get a you get a sheet that tells you how you did on each table that you hit um, with your food. And I really like that because it's kind of nice to go back and say, okay, compared to the stuff that the judges were eating, was mine. You know, the the top of the table or the bottom of the table. So I always, I always enjoy that. Uh, more than I did the old way, where you know you just got a score and you wonder <laughs> uh, wonder wonder what happened on that table,
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding, Stuart Powell is my guest president and CEO of Cook Cookshack uh, Stuart, do you have any idea what percentage of cooks use the Effie cooker out there right now?
1: you know i it's really hard to say um, this year at the American Royal, which of course was about five hundred and fifty teams um we just, you know, wandering through and counting, figured out that about twenty twenty percent of that group was cooking on our equipment. So I would guess we're, you know, in that ten to fifteen percent range.
0: Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's huge. Is it? Is it good enough for Cook Shack to be competing at an event, regardless of finish, just for, like, visibility and marketing aspects? Or, you know, when you get out there, is it not really about that part of business? it about going out competing and trying to win first. And then, uh, oh, oh, by the way, it's a great exposure because you're with Cook Shack and you're cooking with the stuff that you actually sell.
1: You know, I always um, prefer to see one of my customers win. <laughs> um, it's always, It always looks better. Um, But, I mean, my daughter and I cook as a cooking team, and and we're both definitely competitors. I mean, we we walk out there wanting to win. Um, You know, Fast Eddie always tells me that I'll never win as long as I uh, continue to try to uh, talk to people about smokers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's – I mean, it's got to be like a tricky thing. I remember having a conversation with Eddie at one point uh, years ago, and he said, you know, when I decided to get out of – competing and getting into pit building, I had to kind of let go of a of a, of a portion of me that said, you know, I, I want to win at any cost and I have to get over the fact that I'm going to build a cooker. Somebody else is going to use it and they're probably going to beat me at some point. I mean, you run into a similar situation. You're selling cookers that other teams use and they could beat you any given situation, any given uh, weekend with your own cooker. Sure.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we, we know my daughter and I know as we walk out there that we're, we're not cooking, you know, thirty events a year. We we cook about ten to twelve events a year, and and it's hard to compete against the guys that are cooking, you know, thirty plus events a year. Um, they they're just on top of their game, you know. We we view this contest this weekend as one where we'll hopefully go knock off the rough rough edges because we haven't competed since the American Royal. So,
0: Stuart, why do you think the FE cooker? Has really become a go-to pit for both the new and the experienced teams alike on that competition circuit.
1: Well, I I think two big reasons. Um, One is consistency, Um, and you know it's the same reason a restaurant buys an FE is that they get the same food every time they cook in it. And you know when you're competition cooking, you're worried. You know, yes, there there are enough variables in the meat. And then you throw in the variable, if you're cooking on a stick burner, of where's that piece of wood in its lifespan? You know, how much creosote's left in it? You know, how dry is it? How, how quick is it going to burn? What's the, you know, how much is the relative humidity going to affect what I'm doing today? You know, all of those equations we take out of there. So we give them a very consistent flavor profile. Um, so that's, that's one big key. The other one that I think is, is huge is that you can get some rest. Um and there's a lot of you know there's stick burners out there that will let you cook overnight and and you don't have to stay up and babysit it the whole time, but most of them you know you gotta you gotta stay on top of a little more than that and so you know to be able to put your food in and and get some rest to me is huge because I believe the next morning you know I'm on top of my game and um and some of the guys that have been up all night you know trying to battle the fire aren't so.
0: Stuart Powell joining me here on the show, uh, cookshack.com, the website. So one of the things I was reading about, and I don't know if this is like a, a new uh, addition or an option, uh, but it was pretty fascinating to me. It was this thing called the log burner option that I was reading about on the website. This is something that sounds pretty interesting. What can you tell me about?
4: It? Well, you know what, what
1: we get out of people, if, if you ever have somebody that that um, complains about the flavor they get out of an Effie, it's always that. But what they always say is they don't get enough smoke flavor. But what they're really missing in that flavor profile that you get out of a stick burner is the creosote taste. Okay, and and nobody really wants to admit that because that doesn't sound
0: it doesn't you know
1: <laughs> real appetizing. But if you look at you know if you look at burning wood, um, a, a log has X amount of creosote in it, and it's why most of the guys that are cooking on stick burners are going to wrap that meat up at some point in time is to keep that flavor from overpowering um, you know, their the meat that they're cooking. Um, in a in a pellet cooker, you can't get that creosote taste because that's basically taken out of the wood as it's as it's you know processed down to sawdust. And so you never get that creosote taste. So I had guys that were saying, man, we really need some of that kind of bite that you get from from that um from that creosote and so basically came up with a way to be able to attach a little it's nothing more than just a little plate that goes on the end of the of the fire pot that they can then stick you know a small uh, log chunk of wood um some guys put more pellets on there um whatever they want to to create more flavor
0: it seems like it. I mean, would it be counterproductive to put more pellets on there, or uh, would you want to put a piece of wood on there to to get that creosote flavor? That um, I, mean, I can't believe I'm saying that, but uh, it, it, <laughs> I mean, if that's what people are looking for, you'd want to probably put a log on there, right?
1: Yeah, to me, it makes more sense to put a log on there. There, there are some people, you know, that are doing what a lot of guys call smoke bombs. You know, they 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 put more pellets into a something to get them to smolder. Me personally, I can't see a whole lot more flavor that they're getting there. I mean, I I've tasted that food, I've tried it, I've played with it. I don't see that you get much more flavor out of that. Um, but I can get a huge amount of flavor if I stick a piece of green hickory wood on that log burner. Yeah, um, you know.
0: We talk about injecting a lot on the show because you know a lot of teams are doing it. The backyard guys mm-hmm. and gals can inject as well. Same goes for, you know, FE cookers too. You don't have to be a competition guy or girl to really reap the rewards of this cooker, right? I mean, you can get just the same type of a product if you're just a backyard guy just like me.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you can you, anybody can get that same flavor, you know, consistently every time and you know what I like about the FE is that you don't get you don't ever get that oversmoke flavor. Um, and you know, before my days at cook shack, I had, you know, a Weber kettle and I can remember, you know, doing some turkeys that were black and you know, didn't taste very good. Um, you can, you'll never get that out of an FE. Um, it, it, you always get a great, you know, robust smoke flavor, but not that overpowering. Um, uh, and I just like to call creosote taste.
0: Um, and I guess it's fair. I mean, obviously, Cookshack is, is well-known for the FE line of cookers, but uh, there's other uh, residential pellet cookers that have been released into the market uh, from Cookshack as well. Uh, maybe you could bring us up to speed on those.
1: Sure. We have um, what we call our PG line, um, and those are um, two two pellet grills. Um, one, the PG-500, is a uh, uh, kind of our entry-level pellet grill. Um, it's a non-insulated cabinet, but it gives you all the all the advantages of cooking over pellets. Um, what we have really done different, than what we patented in that system, was an airflow process that allows us to direct cook over the flame. So if you want to sear a steak, I can be at seven eight hundred degrees on top of our our grate, searing a steak. The other side, then you're offset cooking, and you can you know if you want to offset cooking, just that temperature down to you know two hundred degrees and and offset cook. So you know you get you get the advantages of, of both ways of cooking um, that way. And then we have the PG1000, which is the, the upscale side of our pellet grill line, which is an insulated cabinet. Um, you know, it has what I like to call more sex appeal, rollback lids, some of those kind of things. Uh,
0: I know that you like to the, kind of spread the, the good word of four zone cooking. So, what does that mean to you, and, and how can you take advantage of it?
1: Yes, um, four four zone cooking is. We have four four zones in the in the pellet grills. The the first zone is that searing zone. So, you know, I personally, when I cook a a steak, I like to cook a um, a strip steak. and I like to cook it, you know, an inch to an inch and a half thick, and I'm about two minutes on each side. And I like the middle of it to be you know red and and juicy. Yeah. Um. And, and so that searing grate really allows you to do that puts beautiful, you know, marks on there. So it looks like, you know, a really, you know, a steak that just came off of a a red hot grill, which it did. Um, So that's zone one. Zone two is the offset side. So um, you can cook. uh, I like to call it the smoking zone. Um, So you're putting your beef briskets, your pork butts on there. Um, My competition chicken I cook on there. I cook my um, thighs at 400 degrees, about 45 minutes. Um, does a great job on those um, so that's zone 2 zone 3 then would be a traditional um, top grill of any of any grill um, so if you buy any gas grill out there on the marketplace you have a, almost all of them have a top grill um, it's a great place to cook vegetables um, you know those kind of things um, I'll even throw uh, I, I throw any kind of stuff up there on it from time to time so um, just a traditional, you know, second grill of a of a grill, and then the fourth zone is our warming drawer, and we call it a warming drawer, but it's really, it'll be at half of the temperature of whatever you're cooking at. So um, it's a great place to cold smoke. Um, you know, I'll um, I'll take a steak and put it down in there, and um, and cold smoke it for you know 20 30 minutes to get really a, a nice smoke flavor, and then take it up and grill it on the on in the first zone or you can cold smoke cheese in there also you know if i'm doing baked beans i love to throw them down in there um if i've got you know a bunch of hamburgers to cook i'll cook them over in zone two and as they get finished up i'll throw them down in the warming mm. drawer. while and then you know put a put some more on the on the uh on the grill so gives you a lot of lot of options a lot of a lot of different ways to cook um which to me is great for the backyard guy you know that wants to go out there and and just play and you know create great great taste and food
0: is the uh, warming drawer just an option on on the p g one thousand or is it uh on both
1: no no it 's on both
0: of them wow yeah
1: it's on it's on
0: both of them yeah, a lot of versatility with that for sure yeah um, the other item on the website that i wanted to ask you about the, the last time i had you on and, and we just kind of ran out of time was uh, the char broilers
1: okay yeah that's a uh, we came out with those actually right before we came out with the grill um, and we were what i i was looking at the wood fired grills in the restaurants and how difficult those were for a, um, a restaurant to get somebody to cook on. You almost, you had to have somebody who knew how to manage a fire. Plus you had to have somebody who knew how to cook. Yep. So two very different, different things with pellets. I can control that temperature perfectly and still give you the flavor of cooking over wood. Um, and that was my original thought about it was, you know, this is a great way for that guy who wants to cook over wood to be able to do that. Then I started realizing, listen, this thing is as easy to cook on as a gas grill. Um, but you get all the flavor of cooking over wood. And so, you know, we sell quite a few of them to replace gas grills in restaurants. And, um, and we sell some guys that want to put them on their back, their back porch. I mean, I like the, you know, for my backyard cooking, well, I'm I'm a big believer that every backyard ought to have a grill and a smoker in it. Yeah. And to me, the charbroiler gives you a great way to have a grill to just do direct grilling on and, you know, an electric smoker or, a, or even a pellet-fired smoker um, to do your smoking on is great. So, you know, I like to have both of those things, and I love the charbroiler um, because of the space you get on it. Um, you know, you can, on a 24-inch charbroiler, um, you're going to be able to cook um, about uh, 12 ribeyes at a time on
0: there. Oh, wow.
1: So, um, you know, I, I have a 36-inch one in my house, and, you know, I can have a pretty good-sized party
0: over, and bang, away you go. Yeah, well, I'll be uh, looking for the invite next time that thing gets fired Absolutely. up. We're talking with us. come over. <laughs> Absolutely. Stuart Powell joining me here on the show, president and CEO of Cookshack. Again, the website, cookshack.com. Uh, if you want more info, he's also heading out to Miami, Oklahoma this weekend for the uh, first barbecue competition uh, event of their 2014 season. Stuart, good luck at smoking on the run this weekend, and thanks so much for coming on tonight.
1: Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it a bunch.
0: You got it. There he is, Stuart Powell. Bringing it strong. Okay, so now I got to find out how much a char broiler is so I can get one. Yeah. I want something that's like a grill, but will also uh, allow me to cook over pellets, like at grilling temperatures. Well, I mean, what's the biggest knock that you hear about all pellet grills? Or at least the majority of them. I'm not saying all of them. You know, the, the, the ones, you know which ones I'm talking about. They have a tough time getting up past 375, 400, 425. You get a, something that sounds like the Char Boy that could get you up to grilling temp, And it's over real wood. I like it. There's one of those places that he was talking about the grills over wood downtown Cleveland we love to go to. Pickwick and Frolic. That's, that's something to see look folks as we just talked about with Stuart, the competition season is here are you ready Cook Shack has the smoker to get you to the winner's circle. Fast Eddies by Cook Shack FEC 100 is the choice of many teams on the circuit Dave Bosco Butcher Barbecue Dana Hillis and Big Papa's Country Kitchen Todd Johns of Plowboys have competed using FEC 100 for years David won the 2012 Barbecue Contest at the World Food Championships in Las Vegas was featured on last season's Barbecue Pitmasters show Todd Johns won the American Royal in 2009 using his FEC 100s. Other notable teams using them, DVQ from, uh, or DVQ, Danielle Domoski, Jiggy Piggy, Pork Patrol Barbecue, and Jeff Northcutt from Dr. Norty's Barbecue. So why do these legendary pitmasters prefer the FEC 100? Todd Johns of Plowboys considers his two FEC 100s a member of his cooking team. They handle his fire management, he can cook by himself, and he doesn't have to worry about his temperatures They will be consistent. He can roll into a contest at 6 o'clock at night, prep his meat, and be ready to cook quickly. The FEC puts you in control so you can concentrate on your flavor profiles and making those turn-in marks. Cookshack also has testimonials and how-to videos on their website, cookshack.com, and their YouTube channel if you want to see these pitmasters tell you themselves why they prefer the Cookshack FEC 100 for their competition season. The FEC 100 features a digital cook shack iq4 control which lets you set the smoke cook time and temperature and holding temperature the heat and flavor source is 100 percent food grade wood pellets are easily obtainable inexpensive easy to store the pellet heat is controlled by a fully automated pellet system and produces very little ashes compared to traditional stick burners and uh, regular charcoal if you want more smoke flavor cook shack offers you an optional log burner that we just talked about just one call to the sales professionals at cook shack 800-423 0698 that's 800-423-0698 they can tell you all about it check them out on the website cookshack.com and discover the taste of a real barbecue it's good folks over at cookshack thanks again to Stuart Powell for joining me this past segment and uh, we are back with Dennis May right after this stick around we'll be right back
3: Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show.
0: All right, welcome back. Thanks again to Stuart Powell what for joining me this, this past segment. Cookshack.com, by the way, is the. Phone number, if you want to check it out. Let me get my uh, table set up here. Let me get the table set. Uh, my last guest tonight, certainly, you know this uh, Sam's Club series, one of the more popular events that have uh, we have seen barbecue competition-wise. Um, us guest took part in the Baton Rouge local event this past weekend, walked away with the grand championship. So let's go ahead and head on over to the hotline so we can get the recap from the pitmaster of smoking and the Dark, Dennis May, joining me here on the show. Dennis, how are you, bud? Hey, man, I'm fine. Uh, appreciate you making the time tonight, Dennis, and you know a lot of things that we can talk about in regards to this past weekend, but first, I guess, uh, let's go ahead and get to the quick background on you um, and kind of how you stepped into this whole barbecue competition cooking game.
5: Well, let's see. I, I've been cooking all my life, uh, and I, I just kind of like... In- Around 2004, 2005, I really wanted me a big trader pit uh, to help out with some of the church work and some of the stuff I did around my house and everything. Also, I, I cook a lot for uh, for the youth. And here in Texas, we have a, a youth organization I cook for. And I, you know, it's a Go Texan organization here in Texas. And I wanted to build a big pit, and I did. And, you know, me and my wife, we played around with it. And, and the Neighbors said, you know, you cook good, you cook good. And they had a little cook-off north of town, and we didn't know a darn thing about it. Oh, heck, I hauled half a cotton pig pantry down there. You know, I had every spice in the world. Picked out a couple of briskets, and that's what it was, a brisket cook. And we froze to death. We, we didn't live two miles from the darn cook-off, but we thought we had to stay in the back of the tallow all night and freeze to it. <laughs> You know, we, we cooked that doggone brisket and ended up winning, you know. And, uh, you know, we got a trophy and a little check for it. And, you know, and it's like, well, the, we got bit by the bug. And. And then, then it was like, well, we went to like three or four different contests and we got, you know what, handed to us. And it was like, well, that just set you back. You know, we thought we were good and we wasn't as good as we thought we were. <laughs> it, it was a long learning curve after that.
0: Yeah, that's what was going to be my next question is, you know, when you go out, you win right away and then you get your ass handed to you the next couple times out. Uh, is, it, is it frustrating enough to make you rethink the whole deal or is it just, you know, enough of a kick in the pants to say, all right, let me really kind of step back here and hone the craft?
4: Well,
5: yeah, I had to step back. I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't know what I got myself into. I just, you know, I just jumped in at first, really. You know, I didn't. I was just kind of a sink or swim kind of thing. And I, I wasn't that serious about it at first. It was just a couple of local cook-offs, you know. And then they did one uh, here, here down in Beaumont, Texas and everything. We were looking up for win grand champion. And I guess after that, I really got serious about it and really started trying to hone my craft as best I
0: could. Dennis May joining me here on the show, pitmaster of smoking in the dark. How many people on the team, Dennis?
5: It's just me and my wife, Vicky. Me and my wife. It's just just two of us.
0: And any you two ever get uh, chippy with each other during the course of a weekend at a contest?
5: Well, we try. We try not to ever let that happen. We try to keep our karma good because we try to get along real good. We. We try over the years. We've really organized, and I would recommend anybody doing that. You know, we've got a real good competition checkoff sheet. That uh, she buys groceries, and I buy the meat. You know, I kind of do it that way, and we check everything off, and we check our RV and everything, get everything done. So we try to minimize the problems that you can have during a contest.
0: You know, I'm endlessly fascinated by names of barbecue competition cooking teams. How do you come up with Smoking in the Dark? And then, of course, the spelling is a little bit uh, unique as well.
5: Well, we, we came up with it a long time ago. It's like, you know, we really just had our had our heads, you know, up, you know, where, and everything was dark, and we didn't know what we were doing. We were stumbling around in the dark, and before you knew it, the name just came out, you know, and it was just one of things, and, and it kind of stuck. So we just stayed with it.
0: Dennis May is my guest. So if we could, let's take a look back at this past weekend, uh, Dennis. And, you know, first of all, I guess, was there anything unusual about the contest that you had to contend with that maybe you didn't allot for?
5: No, no, no. It wasn't nothing unusual but Sam's Sam's puts on a real good contest. They really have. We cooked it the whole time that they've been in. They've had it going. And, and Troy Black and his staff and everything, they do a good job. And the, I've never had a problem with any of the Sam's uh, cook offs.
0: And I assume the cook, uh, just in a general uh, sense, went pretty well for you guys?
5: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It went real good. You know, like I said, I've been cooking on that same pit for a long time. I. I am I am in the process of building another pit. I built this one here, but I'm in the process of building another pit. It's just that some pits, you know, I, I cook an offset stick burner, which is you know by most people it's the hardest one to cook with. But and this one doesn't have an insulated firebox. And you know, we kind of two years ago were at the Royal, where the high temperature was about 26 and the wind was blowing about 30 miles an hour. And man, it, you know, I, I look more like one of them old timey cartoon guys on area who were just shoving wood into a, you know a big coal burner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't concentrate on my, on my cooking because all I was doing was trying to maintain temperatures, so.
0: So if we look at the results of the past weekend, I mean, really outstanding is seventh and chicken, you win ribs, you get a sixth and pork and a second and brisket. And, you know, I talk with pit masters pretty much each week and, Everybody's always preaching consistency and the process and you know, take a look at your results. The last the, the worst one was seventh. You win a category, you get a second and another one. I'm sure any pitmaster would take those results at any given contest. You know, as you look at the the cooks that you have done compared to this one, how does this one rank? I mean, was this one of the better ones? Is it sitting near the top?
5: Uh, yeah, this is this you know, of I course mean, anytime you wouldn't you're going you're gonna consider it a good one. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, heck I mean yeah, somebody hands you a one eighty, you know, that does a whole lot for your your total points right there for sure. And but you know, it was a good cook. I thought everything was great. You know, I don't even I don't hardly even eat barbecue. My wife is our official taste taster and, and I, I cook it and she tastes it and she gives she gives me one and oh my God, you know, everything's great. And and that's the best I can do and I just turn it in, let shit fall away to me.
0: You know, I assume that you guys, after the winning the local, that you'll uh, you'll go ahead and push on to the regional event in Midwest City.
5: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll push on to the regional. there would be no doubt about that.
0: You know, you, uh, you said you're from uh, Beaumont, Texas. Texas is a big IBCA country down there, obviously. Do you uh, do a, a mix of sanctioning bodies? Will you lean more towards one or the other? You try and get them all in?
5: No, to be honest with you, we really we really do more IBCA in the Texas Gulf Coast down here in Texas than we we do the KCBS. We like the KCBS contest. We just don't have that many in in Texas. I think we had one in Bedford. We were we were lucky to have one this year in Huntsville. But the only problem was, I cook for the Houston. I keep cook for the rodeo in Houston, and I I do that big cook off every year. So. That that weekend, I was over in Houston cooking. Well, you know, I can't can't be in two places at one time.
0: No, that's uh, very tough to do. I've tried it myself with little to no success. You know, IBCA cooks uh, seem to fare better going into other sanctioning bodies' backyards than it is the other way around. Do you see the same type of a thing?
5: Yeah, I do. Uh, I think one of the biggest reasons is IBCA will humble you into the fact that you only have three meats. Uh, and it's a blind box. And, you know, y- you're really going on, you know, taste and, t- and tenderness. Both, the pre- appearance is good, but it's not as big on the points as, as the KCBS is. You know, you really got to earn those appearance points in KCBS. Do you,
0: do you think it's kind of a pain in the ass, or do you just think it's what kind of separates them from uh, some of the other bodies?
5: I think a lot of people think it's a pain in the ass. And, and I do, I mean it. Let's, let's face it. it, it's it's just something you throw away. You know, it's parsley and people throw it away or it's lettuce and people throw it away. And, you know, I don't think it needs to be there. I think good food stands for itself. And I think the IBCA. you know, I had a discussion. There was a couple of guys behind me and they were saying, well, the KBS sanctioned body is the best one, more fair. And I said, well, that, that could be true. I said, you can have that opinion. But I said, have you ever thought about it this way? I said, you're never going to taste first place brisket, first-place rib, first-place chicken, or first-place pork at a KCBS event, unless that pit master invites you back to his camp and lets you taste it. Or in the IBCA, when they get through, all the boxes are in the front. You're welcome to go up there and taste the first-place pork. You know, they say, well, I'll get a score sheet and I'll know where I'm at. Well, what are you going to do with that score sheet? Are you going to spend $0.75 cents and buy a cup of coffee with it? That's not going to tell you about a flavor profile. That's not going to tell you about what John Q. Public out there wants to eat.
0: That's right, Dennis May, joining me here on the show, pitmaster of smoking in the dark. Um, how many total contests do you have at least planned out this far in advance?
5: Uh, this year, we're probably going to do around 26.
0: And, and the majority of those, you said, will be uh, IBCA then?
5: Yes, your majority is going to be IBCA. Uh, it, it's a good sanctioning body. I'm telling you right now, they're, they're really good folks. Uh, it's it's ad work of anybody because, I mean, IBCA basically, you, you know, you're not, you don't have so-called sanctioned judges, you don't have certified judges, you can judge it, I can judge it, your mama can judge it, your daughter can judge it, anybody can judge it, you know, and that's who you're cooking for, you're cooking for John Q. Public, you know, and you still have to cook good food, I mean, there's no doubt about it, you know, and IBCA will teach you some humblization in the fact that sometimes, you know, people think, Well, if I go out and spend a hundred and fifty dollars on a cotton pick of Wagyu brisket, I can take it down here to barbecue in this backwoods down here with thirty teams and I can I can do real well. Well, I'm over here to tell you that don't always work. Cuz a lot of times you you're you're pumping that ball right over the top of their head and they never tasted a wild brisket, so how are they supposed to know? You know, you yep. you'd better off go down to the Walmart and get you a good choice brisket and cook that. Because if you can cook it right, you're going to do better with that and you're that big, high-dollar
0: fish. Uh, Dennis, when you got into this game, uh, did you take any classes at all? I mean, obviously the, the big cooking classes have been pretty popular here for the last number of years, so obviously you said there was a lot of trial and error on your part, but have you done any of the cooking classes to do a little ramp-up?
5: I did. I did Johnny Triggs' class. I did, I did it back in 07, and uh, we, we we enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed Johnny. He's from Texas here, and I've known him for a long time, and I told him, you know, if he ever put on a cooking class, I'd go to it. One of his first ones, I did. I did attend it.
0: Last question here before I let you go, Dennis. And I appreciate the time sure. tonight. Is competition barbecue becoming too much of a uh, a quote unquote rich man's sport? And it doesn't seem cheap to me, especially on the small percentage of winning back some expenses because you're laying out quite a bit when you go to these competitions. You know, to me, I see a lot of variables that can affect the outcome if you don't even if you cook your balls off you might be walking away with little to no money is it becoming a a rich man sport if you will no cuz i don't consider myself a rich man by no
5: means i'm i'm just a i work for goodyear chemical and been working for them 37 years and i'm not a rich man uh it, you know you do have to you do have to learn to buy your meat and worry about that you know and don't be you don't be frugal with your money you have to pick the contest, you know, I would tell anybody that was just starting out, you know, if you want to pick the hometown thing, that's fine. Don't just, don't go extravagant with everything. Cause just because everybody, that a lot of people cook on big high end cookers, it doesn't take that to win. It really doesn't. I know people that cook really good barbecue. I cook excellent chicken on the cotton picking trash can. I cooked excellent chicken on a Weber. My Weber didn't work good in the high winds because it picked up a lot of, a lot of, you know, your ashes and stuff. That's the only reason I went to a drum. You know, it just, you can, you can win on a lot of things. The key, like you said a while ago is consistency and it is practice and it is doing the same thing. It is, it is reputation, reputation, repetitiveness, what I'm trying to say. You have to do the same thing over and over and you have to practice in the backyard, same way you're going to practice You have to set up and go ahead. I, I advise anybody getting into it. You know, go to Sam, buy you some turn in boxes, you know? Cook the meat in the backyard. Bring the thing in. Bring the dog on box in here in the air conditioner. Let it sit there in the middle of the summer and get cold. Because that's what that's what people are gonna eat. They're gonna eat that good cold barbecue. And if you can cook good cold barbecue in IBCA contest, man, you, you can win.
1: You really
0: can't. I think that's a great point that uh, very few Pitmasters have made here on the show is you know, uh, they cook it, and then they wait till it cools off, and then they taste it to see how their flavor profiles are, because, as you said, that's how the judges are going to taste it. I think that's a great point. Thanks.
5: Well, really we are, and it even, it, it even holds true with KCBS. I mean, even though we try real hard to get a good hot product up there, I mean, let's face it, guys. Well, sometimes it's cold outside, and sometimes they judge outside. And if that car sits there for any time, especially like a thin slice of brisket, you've got a, a quarter to a 3-8-inch slice of brisket sitting on top of a whole bigger thing of parsley. It's cooling off pretty doggone quick. No doubt about it. And if you don't have good cold barbecue, I'm sorry. You ain't going to win. <laughs>
0: That's right. Uh, Dennis May just won the Baton Rouge Louisiana Sam's Club local event this past weekend. And, uh, obviously, he'll be moving on to the regional final in Midwest City, Oklahoma, on September 20th. He'll be uh, be competing in the meantime. Dennis, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for coming out. All right, man. Appreciate it. You got it. There he is. The winner of the Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I just like saying that, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Sam's Club local event. And, again, uh, that feeds into the Midwest City, Oklahoma regional final September 20th. Look for him there. And uh, I think it's proving out that the IBCA cooks have a, a little better time playing in other people's backyards than the flip side for the majority. Not in all cases. KCBS teams don't take me to task. Just saying, in the uh, – how I've seen it, when people are starting flip-flopping around, take it for what it's worth. Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply, known for their amazing, wide selection of cooker sauce, rub, all things for the backyard cook and the serious competition team. They got it right there. They sell big green eggs, Kamado Joe Cookers, Primo's, Mac and Green Mountain Pellet Grills, all the Weber Grills, all of them, and the smokers, as well as Meadow Creek Smokers and Cookers. They're one of the biggest, largest barbecue guru dealers in the country, very first to offer Professional and amateur cooking classes featuring well-known chef celebrities like Harry Sue from Plowboy, uh, Todd John from Plowboys, Dan Hickson from Three Eyes Barbecue, all great teams. So you call Fred Bernardo the smoking guitar player or you call him whatever you want. Just as long as you buy something, for crying out loud. Anyway, I mean, call him up right now or his friendly staff. Well, maybe not right now, but maybe tomorrow morning, 800-677-2882, 800 677 2882, or just go over to your friendly internets and look them up there. TastylicksBBQ.com That's TastylicksBBQ.com And don't forget that the Smoking guitar Player has over 150 cooking videos on the website as well, and a couple of them.
4: He doesn't even try and
0: sell you anything, believe it or not. I know you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. So head on over. TastylicksBBQ Supply. Downtown, beautiful, tropical, Shillington, Pennsylvania. Or visit them on the web. Licks bbq.com, 800-677-2882. That's 800-677-2882. Fred Bernardo and the gang over there at Tasty Lakes Barbecue Supply. All right, we're back to wrap up the show right after this. Stick around. We will be right back.
3: Get in the smoke. Call 877 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rippey.
4: Big B, new sound Let's go! I'm an outlaw. Give me two shots. We don't need a radio. Bring a jukebox. Man.
0: I almost had a terrible accident taking a quick drink of water, and it slipped right out of my hand. We almost had a water accident of seismic proportions. That would have been terrible. Oh, my Lord. All right, thanks again to Dennis May from Smoking in the Dark, talking about his uh, win, recapping the win over there last weekend at the Sam's Club Local. Always good to see another sanctioning body team come up in the uh, different arenas and sanctioning bodies and do very well. So he'll move on to the Midwest City, Oklahoma. Uh, oh, look at this. We got another call coming in. I wonder who this could be.
4: Greg, this is your mother calling. Honey, who are, you, who are you taking phone calls from in the beginning of the first, uh, second hour? He's calling in. He's saying something like, Greg, this is your mother calling. Meanwhile, sir, you don't sound anything like me. You're ridiculous. I think you're borderline profane, and insane. You should give me your phone and I will take it from you. You should not be making fun of me for crying out loud. Greg, why are you letting this man make fun of me?
0: Um, Mom, I wasn't I wasn't letting anybody make fun of you. I, this is a live show. Sometimes I get phone calls and uh, this is what happens when you take live phone calls. People want to have... I don't know if they were making fun of you or anything like that, but uh, somebody was... Uh, you know, what do they say? Uh, 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 Imitation is the serious form of flattery.
4: Look here, young man. Shut your mouth and let me talk. I've heard enough of this. This man, he calls in. He's pretending to be... And, sir, I know you're a man. Meanwhile, I'm a woman. I don't have a penis. Okay, sir, I know the difference. I could hear your manly voice. I don't sound like that. So listen here, Greg, I'm telling you right now as your mother, stop letting these people call in and think that they're me. I know it's only been one time, but stop it. Or I'm done coming on this show. I won't have it. Now I have to get back to your father. He's fallen asleep in the chair. He's had one too many martinis for crying out loud. I've got to go.
0: All right, Mom, uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, I guess the second... (laughs) Like yeah, you know, that wasn't you the first time. I know. Okay, sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Wow, she sh- shot out of a cannon tonight. Wow. I believe that was really my mother. Whoever called in at the beginning of the first hour was or second hour was not my mother.
4: She is not your mother.
0: All right, let's get out of here, folks. Let's call it a day. All right, uh, all the way back in the first hour, we spoke with. Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. We talked about uh, extremely hot weather cooking. We talked about uh, what you should put in the water pan. Water. We talked about if you're looking, you're not cooking. Myth busted. Then we moved to the second hour. We talked with Stuart Powell, president and CEO of CookShack. His website, CookShack.com. If you are in the line for, uh, you know, the pellet cookers, they got plenty of them. They're really good. The FE line of cookers, of course, is uh, something you might want to take a look at. Uh, Maybe you don't want to mess around with pellet grills at all. You know, you don't want the stick burners, you want anything like that. You want an electric cooker. CookShack makes spectacular electric cookers as well. And then helping me round out the second hour, coming out of the bully Dennis May from Smoking in the Dark Recapping, His uh, big win at the local qualifying contest at the Sam's Club 2014 Series in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He'll be moving on to the regional final. Cooking in between, of course, keeping the skills sharp. But September 20th, Midwest City, Oklahoma, which has proven to be a very tough regional to move on to in regards to the final. So we'll look forward to see how that plays out. Um, if you have the raw cast iron that season it each and every time, please gives you generations of rust free service. Also, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Till next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it's your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Rempe. Good night now.